little kids, you know. We like to look at them. They look so cute and innocent, right? And we think they just got the face of an angel. We very rarely give that that terminology to somebody that's that is older. Many times you wonder why. You say, why? Because probably they're all troubled and mixed up in their heart. You know, shows on their face. You know, shouldn't be that way with a Christian, should it? We ought to have a sense of rest and peace. And no matter how much difficulty you may be having at home or at work, and I'll be honest, I haven't always been successful at this. But it really, in reality, it ought to be a sense of rest and peace, shouldn't it? But you have to be in the middle of God's will. Go on in chapter number 7. It continues. And he gives a really, he gives a kind of an overview of all the Old Testament. And in verse number um, 51, he comes up with this proclamation in chapter 7, 51. He says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised and hardened ears, you always do resist the Holy Ghost as did as your fathers did, so do ye. Now, you can have rest and peace, but you can still do the right thing. You can still be bold and you can still be stern and you can still tell what people need to hear. But notice that it says here, you always do resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets did not your fathers persecute? They've slain them and showed it before of the coming of the just one, of whom you've been now the betrayers and murderers, who you received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. I don't know exactly what that expression means, but I don't think it's pretty, do you? Gnashed on him with his teeth. I don't know if that's a. Uh, they actually uh, gnawed on him like a like a dog, but they weren't happy with him, right? Verse fifty: High, he being full of the Holy Ghost, looked steadfastly in heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Said, "Behold, I see the heavens open, the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God." And they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran on him with one accord. And cast him out of the city and stoned him. And witnesses laid down their clothes at the young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen doing what? Calling upon God. And saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when they said this, he fell asleep. Here we have, a, I think, a, one of the outside the Lord Himself, a perfect example of somebody that was really at peace with God. He was having a lot of issues going on in his life, a lot of challenges. But it didn't take away his peace, did it? It didn't take away his sense of well being. In the midst of all that, he said, This is time for me to pray. This is the time for me to intercede, not for my well-being, but why? For the well-being of others. Man full of what? The Bible said in chapter 6, full of faith. 
said, where did that faith come from? The faith came from God. Some of you get beside yourself by the smallest little thing. Some of you got beside yourself because I said something to you this morning about your kids. Some of you kids got sideways with me because I said something. It was on your heart that you should have been doing what you're supposed to be doing. No peace. No rest. Well, you know what? It wasn't no peace, no rest because I said something. You didn't have peace or rest to begin with. I just sometimes wonder, some of the young people, that they just want to get out of my class. But I know uh, a pastor's going to make me do that. And I'll just have some rest because I won't show up. There'll be no rest. Let's look at how we can receive and really how the Lord plans for us to have a rest and a sense of well-being. Hebrews chapter number 1. Hebrews chapter number 1. This is not going to be anything life-changing that you not have already heard. This isn't going to be one of those uh, uh, messages where you're just going to be all, uh, we amen, praise God. No, this is going to be one of those messages where you're just going to learn something. You're going to see in the Scriptures things that you've already known and things that maybe you're not implementing. The price of peace. In order to get to that price of peace and have that peace that passes all understanding, you have to be on the path, first of all, of understanding. I've defined to you before that word understanding. That's the idea that, that God is inspiring you. Job talked about it in a way who said he had understanding. See, if when we have understanding about the things of God and we have the understanding that we need to about the Word of God, we are Baptists, alright? Baptists are Bible believers. We say we believe the Bible. The Bible is the Word of God and, and the Bible is inerrant and it, and it is and, and without mistakes and, and we can trust it. We can verbalize that, but do we really believe it? If you really believe it, then you're going to be in the Word of God. You're going to be memorizing. You're going to study the Word of God. You're going to say, do I have the Word of God? You know, uh, people are, that are quote-unquote Baptists have moved away from the Word of God. They've gone to translations. Good translations. Let me say, what you have in your hand, what you hold in your lap, is the Word of God. It's not a translation. God gave it to us. God didn't need other men to try to figure out what, what was written down and kind of sort out a bunch of junk and, and figure out a, uh, and come up with some paraphrasing of the words and throw out some. God is able to maintain the Word of God. You look at Hebrews chapter number one, we see this idea of maintaining the Word of God. It's called the preeminence of Christ. When you see Christ in the Bible and you say, Well, I believe in Jesus, 
I pray in His name. Listen, if you're believing in Jesus and you're praying in His name, notice what it says. Verse number 2. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He hath made the world, who being the brightness of His glory and the expressed image of His person, Upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had made himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand, right hand of the majesty on high. We're talking about the Son of God. Notice what he says here in chapter number one. Verse number 8 says, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne. What is he quoting here, by the way? Help me out. What is he quoting? Quoting the Scriptures, isn't he? He's quoting the Scriptures. He says, Thou thou hast... Thy throne, O God, is what? Forever and thy ever and thy scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with oil of gladness above thy fellows. If you haven't figured this out yet, Jesus is the Word of God manifest. The Word of God made flesh. Jesus doesn't need someone to modify who He is. And change who he is. He's not going to change. He's not going to need us, our assistance to maintain who he is. Verse number 10. And thou, Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They, what, shall perish. Thou remainest. And they all shall wax holes of double the garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the what? Same. God doesn't change, does he? Doesn't matter what happens in this world. Doesn't matter what we do as individuals or we do as churches. God does not change. And thy years shall not fail. So God has given us, first of all, He's going to give us a a confidence of who He is. An unchanging confidence. I can remember when I was in the Lutheran church, I just I'd really just gotten saved and I hadn't been saved too long. And I can remember they, they had readers, I think they were called readers for the day. And they'd have a, they'd read, they, the pastor wouldn't read, they had this little, this little thing, he, they wouldn't get behind the pulpit, they had this little place of podium on the side. And it must have been a tradition for a long time. And they'd get up there, and that's all the readers do, they'd get up there and just read the scripture. And I'd get up there and I'd go, wow, good. And I just got insane, I got my Bible out, and, I, and I'd get ready, and I'd, and I'd be, I want to follow along where they're at. And they read, and I said, "What? I, don't, I, don't, I can't even find what they're reading. They got out of the New English translation or something. So, uh, and then 
it was different. They'd read one part and this part, another part and this part, another part and another. I was so, what? And I didn't even know what they, what, what, when, we, when we talk about Jesus never changing. I said, I wonder who had to figure that out. Which one? That was kind of confusing. Well, I had to be a real scholar to figure out what verse they were going to read from. Which one was really going to make had the best meaning? And they had all these different, and they'd read from all these different versions. Listen, when you have confidence that you have the Word of God. I, by the way, and I think somebody, I think Oscar may have brought this up Wednesday night. They, the, the new translations, people don't memorize. No need to. It's a mixture of what they think and what the Bible says. What you get out of. Listen, it's not a mixture. It's Christ speaking. Notice what he says. If you didn't get it right, what he was trying to get across, he says in verse chapter number 2, he says, first of all, it's a path of understanding, but secondly, it's a path of faith. Verse number two, chapter number two, verse number one, he says, therefore, we ought to do what? We ought to give more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest at any time we let them what? Slip. Wow, this is serious stuff we're getting. We can't let them, we just can't let this fall to the ground. If the word spoken by angels was steadfast in every transgression, disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which first began to be spoken by the Lord and was what? Confirmed unto us by them that heard him. How did they confirm it? How did they know that these individuals of God... Paul was of God. Peter was of God. Matthew was of God. Mark, uh, uh, John, all these men were of God. And how did they know that uh, 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 these individuals that wrote the New Testament, how would you, the Bible says they, in verse numbers, bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His own will. God took it seriously when He says, listen, I want you to listen to these guys. And not only did he want you to listen to him, he says, I'm going to have him write it down and I'm going to maintain it. He says, give some earnest heed, lest we should let him slip. You think that's happened in our church? Think we've slipped away? So that path is a path of, of faith. And that proclamation is not changed. <clears throat> Notice the idea here is that God maintains His Word and He maintains it in His church and He maintains it in His people. He confirmed it by those miracles. Do we still need miracles to confirm the Word of God? We have it. God doesn't need to continue. Now, you say, well, you mean, you're saying, Pastor, that, that uh, there's no need for miracles anymore? Did I say that? There's no need for miracles to confirm that we have the Word of God. Does God still do miracles? Are we asking God to do some miracles in our life? 
Without a doubt, there's many of you say, I want my children to be saved. That's a miracle. My mom or my dad or somebody's sick in my family and I, I want God, I want you to do a work in our life. God, do a miracle. Can God do a miracle? But does He have to do miracles to prove the Word of God? No. He won't do miracles to prove the will of God. He is given a miracle, and you're going to find this out, He's going to do a miracle when He gets you to believe that He's given you the Word of God. When you really believe you have the Word of God, you're not going to take this lightly. It's not going to collect dust in your bookshelf. It's going to be something you pick up every day and read and study and memorize and put it to use. If you believe it, if you don't believe it, then you won't. Now you understand why your pastor is a little sideways because your kids don't even won't even do their devotions. How many? Somebody tell me how long have I been working with your kids to do their devotions? Come on, tell me how long? One year? Two years? We're, we're going on three years. I say if your kids don't do your devotions because you don't do your devotions. And that means you don't have the confidence that you have the Word of God. Oh, yeah, you'll get up and say, yeah, we have them. You, you, be, you be the first one, to, uh, you be the Baptist Baptist to say, but you don't do your devotions. Your kids don't do them either. Otherwise, you'd be making sure they did them. Am I right? I know I'm right. You take a light view of God and God's Word, and your kids will take a light view of the same thing. And listen, if you take a light view of this, and you take a light view of, of brothers and sisters in the Lord, you take a light view of ministry, you like a light view of the will of God everywhere you go. You say you want peace? You're on the wrong path. Because peace comes with understanding, and with understanding comes faith. And let me say this. You take a light view of the Word of God, and listen, you, you, the Holy Spirit says, listen, I can't even use you. You have the Holy Spirit, but He's silent in your life. He is the essence of giving you rest and peace. Because you know you're in the will of God. You studied to show yourself approved. You found God's mind. You found God's heart. And you do God's will. And no matter what the challenges are in your life, you stay on track. Am I right? You don't go to the right. You don't go to the left. You don't go back. You don't go. You stay right where God wants you to be every day. How many think Stephen was where he needed to be? Well, just a victim of circumstances. I guess God couldn't do nothing for him. Uh, he, he just was uh, uh, ordained a deacon and he got out there doing what he did. Oh, Stephen, you opened your mouth. You should have shut up. My Bible says he had a face of an angel. And he looked up and he seen the heavens open and he seen Jesus interceding for him and he prayed. He said, oh God, I know they're taking me home, but God, don't hold this to their charge. Please, yeah, I hope some of them get saved. Did anybody get saved out of that group? Anybody remember who got saved? Paul. 
Bible, the Bible goes to the, to the degree it said they laid his coats down at the apostles' feet. How many of you think the apostle Paul, this came to his mind over and over and over and over again throughout his Christian life? How many think that came to mind? What I did, I persecuted the church of God. I sent, I sent Stephen to his death. He's seen the face of an angel. A sense of rest and peace because he was doing the will of God. How many of you think your people around you need to see a face of an angel? Huh? How many of you think those relatives and loved ones and neighbors around you need to see Jesus firsthand? Where are they going to find him? In you. You being in the in, 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 like uh, 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 lay, you said to Job, "I am in God's stead for you, Job." You want to see God first place? You look at what God is doing through me. I am working on God's behalf for you. Path and price of peace. You might think it's a rough road. It's only a rough road. <laughs> it's only a rough road when Jesus is not in the... I, and I, I know this is kind of... How many have seen that license plate? Jesus is my co-pilot. You know what? <clears throat> I don't want to be my co-pilot. I want to be a pilot. <laughs> I, got, I want to be constantly looking over. I'm going the right way. I'm going the right way. I said, Jesus, I'm with you. Wherever you go, I'm going with you. I mean, see, you know what I'm talking about? I want him in control. I want if I know Jesus is in control of my life, and I'm just kind of saying, okay, it's kind of getting rough out here. I mean, have you ever been on a plane when the old plane's going like this? Huh? You ever done that? You ever come into Midway here, and that plane that and and the winds are blowing on the side, and the planes are doing this dippity do, and and everybody's going, it gets real silent on the plane. Right? Nobody's saying, and nobody's saying, everybody's thinking the same thing. This thing's going down. This thing's this thing going in. And by the way, they did this just recently, but this thing's going down. And then I actually had one pilot <clears throat> getting a little hoarse. I shouldn't reach like this, I guess. <laughs> one, I don't know why I got on this pilot thing. But anyway, i got to tell you the story anyway because it's fun. And this one pilot in Southwest, and he gets on there, and it's coming in like this, you know, and, 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 and I don't know whether the wind is doing what to us. And he gets down, he says, whoa, boy. He's like a house. And he was just at rest and at peace with what he was doing. And nobody else was on the plane was doing that. See, the idea God has given us, he's given us the Word of God. And your understanding is that we have it. My, I, you say, well, Pastor, I don't No, we really do. When you really do understand that, you're going to take a different view of this book. Not only do you have it, but when you get that understanding, then as Brother O has worked diligently to try to help us out on Wednesday night, you begin to start getting some faith. Chapter 3. <clears throat> you get some of that faith. 
And all of a sudden, this personal time in chapter number 3 starts taking place. It do me well to read this because I think <clears throat> you underestimate the power of your devotions. Personal time with God. He says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him. Also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted more worthy of more glory than Moses. Inasmuch as he who hath built a house hath more honor than the house. For every house is built by some man, but he that buildeth what? All things is God. He's leading you up to these devotions, folks. Verse 5, Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were be spoken of afterward, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house were what? We, if we hold fast the confidence, right? I talked about confidence. And rejoicing the hope firm to the end. This is where I need to go. This is where I need to stay. This is what gives me uh, the, the rest, the peace, the confidence, the direction, the, the knowing that I'm in the will of God. Verse 7, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, what? Today. What? Not tomorrow. When? Today. He says, today, if you'll hear His voice, what? How are you going to hear the voice of God? How many of you I heard it audibly speak to me? God doesn't really audibly speak to people. He can. He doesn't need to. Does He? He speaks with a still, what? Small voice. <clears throat> harden not your hearts. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in provocation of the day and temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my works forty years, the word of God, wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said they do always what? They err in their what? Hearts. That's where we go wrong. If you ain't filled your heart up with the truth and the Word of God and the Spirit of God, you will err in your heart. I went over that with our young people this morning. They get all mixed up with somebody and they're on love. No, they probably must. They're in love. And their heart leads them astray. <clears throat> and so he says what? So I swear... In my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Just because you don't have your devotions, just because you don't know the mind of God, the heart of God, the spirit of God, God says, I'm angry with you. You say, God loves us, and God, I'm a child of God. And God doesn't. No, God is angry with you because if you're out of the will of God, you're not doing God's will. You're either doing your will of the flesh or the will of the devil or the will of the world. <clears throat> it says, take heed, lest there ain't be any of you with an evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God. You say, where does the beginning of the end when you're not having your devotions and your time with God? God speaks, you should listen and obey. 
Verse number 13, but exhort one another daily while it's called today, as any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast in the end. It's basically saying this is the beginning of your Christian life, and this is going to be the end of your Christian life. You stay on course, don't move away from it. So we started, I remember having the boys, the boy, they'd bring me down their books. Kids down in my class, they bring that down the book. Boy, they'd have it right down the line. They'd have the dates. They'd have where they read. They told me what they got out of it. They don't even bring their books now. Whose fault's that? You started off all right. We're to hold on to that what? Confidence. See. I remember when we moved, I think just before we was even saved, we moved the first house we moved in and we had a little refrigerator sticker. You remember that? One week one week without the word make makes one week or something like that. That's stuck in my head. God's angry. <clears throat> While he had said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts in the provocation. For some, when they heard, provoked, how not all came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, to whom he swore in his wrath, <clears throat> swear that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that he believed not. So we see we could not enter into it because of unbelief. Chapter 4. Bear with me, folks, because this is, this is basic, but I don't, if you don't get it, then we're talking about having a sense of rest. Verse number 1. Let us therefore fear, lest they promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed to enter into his rest, as he said, I have sworn in my what? Christian, help me out. Does God get angry with you and you don't have your devotions? Help me. Does God say, you want to behave like that? I'm going to pull away. You operate on your own. I'm not involved. I'm not putting my stamp on your life. Verse number 7, again he said at a certain day, saying in David today, after so long a time, and as it said today, you'll hear his voice, harden not your heart. For if Jesus had given them rest, he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us therefore labor. Chapter 4. Path to spiritual <clears throat> spirituality and spiritual is, means that you have to be motivated. One thing I wanted you to get out of this chapter is one: there needs to be a fear. Did I hear that? Let us therefore fear. 
If there's, the Bible says there's no wisdom until you fear God. See, the trouble is we, we think we're getting by with it. Are we? Are we? Who's getting fooled around here? You're the fools. He says, let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us, entering into regret, any of you should come short of it. But secondly, listen, not only there needs to be a fear, that's the motivation. God uses fear to motivate. Your kids don't do the things they do because you've placed a fear of God in them. They may not be doing it by faith, but they know that there's going to be a consequence for doing something that's wrong. Secondly, verse number 11, let us labor. I brought this up last week. What is labor? You've got to work at it. It's effort. You don't put anything in, you won't get nothing out. How many of you think it's it's easy sometimes to have your devotion at five in the morning before you go to work or three in the morning, whatever time? Is it easy? Is it easy to, to sit down and your your mind's all clogged with cobwebs from sleeping and you're still kind of trying to wake up and and uh, you've got a hundred other things to try to race into your mind before uh, the word of God gets there? You think I got to do this and this? How many know what I'm talking about? And this 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 do. And God's only when you pray, God, empty my mind of all that and let me just think on you. Got to work at it. Then you get done. Sometimes you say, "Well, now I need to pray, and maybe I need to fast." Is it fun to fast? How many say I just can't wait to fast? If that was true, we'd all be skinny winnies, right? We'd all fit in size 32. I haven't seen 32 since I was 18. That's going to be work. But God says, listen, I'm angry with you. You think, what do you think the chances is that that this church will die on the vine? Is there a chance that it can happen? Is there? God says, I'll write Ichabod above the door. I'm, I'm, the, the Spirit is departed. You can do it above your house door too, folks. I'm about done. You're motivated. But listen... God does a work. And God wants to do a work. And the works were planned from the foundation of the world. You know God's got your life already figured out? How many know God's got your life already figured out? From beginning to end, He's already got it figured out. All you've got to do is just follow the Lord and He's going to take you where He planned to take you. God already knows if you're going to listen to this message this morning. How many know God already knows if you're going to listen to this message? How many know if you're going to really employ this idea of having your devotion to make sure your kids are going to... How many of God already knows if you're going to get busy with that? God already knows. God says, listen, there's more to being a Christian than just being saved. How many know that? 
More to being a Christian than just coming to church. So some of you, that's all it is. I guarantee you that's what I got downstairs with some kids. I just show up in class with my Bible. in your heart first. God has to have, He has to have preeminence in your life. Above, above this, I'm just about ready to say it as a pastor. I've had people say, no, you shouldn't go that far, Pastor. I just about had that, that any smartphone needs to be shut off when it comes to church. You know, I see kids in here gaming at church. They're sitting in the pew. That's a spiritual effort there. Used to be Pac-Man in my day. I don't know what they're playing now. How many of you think that's wrong? We can't drink coffee in the church or water or anything like that, but we can play Pac-Man! Alright, last thing, I'm going to be done. Chapter 6, <clears throat> chapter 5. Chapter, we're just going to jump to chapter 6. God says, I need you to grow up. You're saved, I want you to grow up. He goes on there, the basic principles of salvation in chapter 6, 1 through 4. But notice what he says in verse 5. Or four. We'll read verse 4 and 5. For it is impossible for those who are once enlightened, enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gifts, that were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again to repentance, Seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to shame. How many, how many of those words make you feel a little uncomfortable? I don't know about you, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Sounds to me like when people know the truth, that you, it's, like, it's like you know the truth, but it carterizes you from the truth. All of a sudden, you, that, that it, you can't, you're really not going to take seriously the Christian life anymore. It's impossible. That's a strong word, isn't it? Notice what it says in verse 7. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh off upon it, bringeth forth the herb meat for them to whom it is dressed, receiveth the blessing from God. 
But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, nigh unto cursing the end is to be burned. But beloved, we're persuaded things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. <clears throat> so important. And what I want you to get is that there is this path of peace. Let me just reverse, reverse them again. They have to have this confidence. You have what? You really got something special here. Call the Word of God. Everything else passed away, but you got something that's going to stay the same. Christ and this book are one. If Christ could be changed, this book could be changed. Heaven and earth pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Second, it's path of faith. That means it's got to be you got to be proactive with, with studying it, knowing it, memorizing. If you if you can't memorize, you're not willing to go that far. Then probably you're not going to do it. Because he says he wants it written where. You read on in Hebrews. He says, "I want it written in your heart." When this word is written in your heart, then God says, I can do a work. It needs to be, you and the book need to be one. Thirdly, there has to be this personal time. Understand that? That personal time is not only studying this book, but having God bringing what is wisdom in this book and making it understanding. If it's just superficial... But God takes your time with Him and He makes you in this book usable in your life. It's personal time. We have the example of Christ. We have the example of Stephen. We have other examples. Paul. Going on and on. At that point, there's going to be a sense of what? What are we looking for? What's this message about? Peace and rest. Remember Melchizedek? Prince of Salem? Prince of Peace? Right? Secondly, there's going to be this understanding of fear. How important is fear? Big. God is angry with us when we're not where we need to be, right? So you're going to have peace with God when God is angry with you? (laughs) I don't think so. Right? going to be motivating. You know it's going to be work. Just settle it in your mind. It's going to be work. I'm going to have to really work at it. And then there's going to be this path of intercession. Chapter 5. He takes compassion on us. How many know God knows how weak you are? God knows how weak you are. He knows how undisciplined you are. He knows how to what a procrastinator you are. How many of you think it's okay to tell God about those those issues you have? Right? Does He have compassion on them? Does He know you? Does He willing to work with you where you're at? So you intercede with Him. And again, chapter 6 is we must grow. We must grow. If you take the time and you read through this whole book, keeping these principles I got in mind, listen, you're going to come away with a different understanding. 
Because listen, I know. And if we can understand that we don't have good time and devotion, not just we come to church and we're carrying our Bible and we're talking to Jesus talk. We really got we really got Jesus in our heart, if I can put it that way. I don't like that expression, but we got we got the Word of God and we got the Spirit of God. And God has given us a sense of rest and peace. It's a game changer. Your life changes. God does it without your effort. The only effort you did was get in the co-pod and say, "Lord, let's go. I'm ready." I'm preparing. I'm laboring. Don't go home and forget this. What you do is you go home and you get that flashcard.com. Right? And you get in that prayer bones and you say, this is a devotional time that I have with me and the Lord. Hold yourself accountable with your spouse or with somebody in the church and you say, I'm going to go forward with the Lord. And I'm going to be in the center of God's will. I'm not, letting, I'm not going to allow God to be angry with me. Remember, remember well, as we close, remember, remember the children of Israel? Remember they, God says, okay, you ain't going in. Remember He told them, I'm not going in. And after they figured out, oh, I hope you have. It's possible to renew you to repentance. Maybe you're broken hearted about where you're at. Maybe you need to talk to God about it. And just confess, Lord, I've just been careless and sloppy and indifferent and unbelieving. It's affecting me. It's affecting my kids. It's affecting my church. Let's stand as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank You. You're the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, You said there is a price for peace. There's a path for peace. Lord, it's going to cost us. There's a price. Lord, I pray that the price isn't a failure. Pray that the price is success. Pray the price is souls saved. Pray the price is children that grow up to love you and trust you and live for you. Pray the price is your will being done here on earth. I pray, Father, that we're not <coughs> deceiving ourselves. Lord, please bless this invitation. Help us, Father, to recognize and admit where we're really at. Overcome our pride. Overcome, Father, the things that have taken us off course. Focus our eyes on what you have for us.